Welcome to HomeWise, a podcast of Highlands Ministries. Wisdom is essential in building a strong family and home life. Proverbs says that a wise woman builds her house and a foolish woman tears it down. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Kara Murphy, my wife and the mother of our 10 children, ages 3 to 20. I've been blessed with a wise and godly wife, and over the years I've learned that Christian women appreciate her perspective and need encouragement to rise above the folly of our culture and be home wise. Today we'd like to talk about something that has uh, come into our life that we were not expecting and just kind of share with you where we are and what's going on. This is one of those things that we had thought about in the past and said, hey, maybe God will do this. And he has. So, Kara, why don't you tell them what I'm referring to? Well, no, maybe not exactly this, but as many of you know that I'm pregnant, and um, after suffering many pregnancy losses, we were very excited to see this pregnancy continue and felt very blessed when I wasn't feeling sorry for myself for being so sick in the first trimester. Mentally, emotionally, was preparing for me, you know, because we've had a second trimester miscarriage, we lost a baby at 18 weeks. For me, that 20-week ultrasound was a big hurdle. I wanted to see that baby alive and moving on that ultrasound. Praise God, we did. We had a, we got to see the baby, and he is just as cute as can be. And but they also found something, and it's never a good sign when the ultrasound tech, after spending an hour doing an ultrasound, says, "You know, I think I'm going to go get the doctor. I'll, I'll be right back." We've had enough to know that something's going on. Uh, interestingly, I would say that you and I were probably emotionally, mentally prepared for a diagnosis of Down syndrome in the child um, because I'm 44 and we are familiar. Um, I have a lot of the the markers, <laughs> if you will, a lot of the, quote, risk factors, and we don't really believe in risk factors per se. We believe in God's hand moving. But, you know, we, I mean, just statistically speaking, we, um, we have a lot of those things on the list. And so when they came in, the doctor and the ultrasound tech, and they focused on little Patrick's spine, uh, I think we were both a little um, interested, taken a little aback. Um, and so they, the doctor, um, started talking about things like neural tube defects and spina bifida. And I think both of us were familiar with those terms, but I don't think either one of us knew anything about them. Um, she told us right away that, um, the Tri-Cities area where we live would not be equipped to handle the kinds of needs that Patrick was going to have when he was born. And um, we should uh, be preparing ourselves for delivery somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we got to see uh, what they call a myelomeningocele, which is what he has, which is uh, when he was tiny, bet- before four weeks um, development, uh, his... Um, his spinal column did not close, did not form around that spinal cord. So he has an exposed spine. And uh, we later learned that it starts around the T12 vertebrae. 
uh, which is pretty high for that kind of problem. And that, um, that, uh, that spinal cord right now is exposed and it's being damaged by contact with the uterus and the amniotic fluid that's rubbing up against it. And so it's very similar in some ways, if you can think of it, it's, it's a spinal cord injury, except not a traditional injury. It's an injury that's occurring within the womb because of the birth defect, because these spinal bones and the skin around <coughs> it did not form over that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we learned after a couple of weeks of research and studying. And um, immediately we um, had an appointment with a high-risk OB about an hour away. And um, I feel like I feel like we've seen God's hand um, God's fingerprints are all over this because the high risk OB that we went to see, which originally, let me start, I have to tell this story because it's just such a, a beautiful picture of what God's done. Um, originally I was going to go to, there's a big practice in the, um, about an hour and 15 minutes away, uh, one that we are familiar with. And that's usually where, um, our, my doctors, um, where they refer people. And so she set that up and we started working toward that and seeing them as soon as we could get in. And I got a call from her just a day later and she was calling from home. The doctor was, so she was at home, not at work. And she had just remembered that this other high risk OB that was in another town about an hour away, um, had actually studied at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Yeah, I've done a fellowship there. And for three years and was very familiar with myelomeningocele or spina bifida, was very uh, well versed in the surgery that they can do prenatally or after the baby is, is born. And so, um, and the, the, right at the time she was calling, I had just done a search on the three major hospitals that work with children with spina bifida that have the, the, you know, the most experience. And I was on the Cincinnati children's website when she called. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said that, she said, well, I just, I just feel like God's leading us this direction. I think, I think this is where you need to be. Um, went to see him. And I think we both just felt absolutely affirmed that God sent us to him. He, he knows more about what we're experiencing and what Patrick has than pretty much any of the medical community within about two hours of where we live. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, so, yeah. you know, that, if you don't see God's fingerprints on that, <laughs> guiding so that, and so that, gives us, that gives us comfort early on yeah. to see how already God is steering us. That's right. Uh, in ways that we could not have figured out, obviously. And this wonderful doctor who just handled things so well with the initial diagnosis in her office when we were all surprised yes. and then called us from her house and was praying for us. Yes, it's still praying for us. (laughs) And has already uh, been a great encouragement to us. All of that helps you really quickly see, okay, all right, we can see God's... We we know God has got his fingerprints all over it, that our theology teaches us that, but it's wonderful when you get those wonderful confirmations... Absolutely. ...that are are tangible in people and events and... uh, and we can see, okay, this is going to be a real adventure. Yes. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, so we eventually ended up uh, doing a two-day, um, I don't know, intensive 
consultation consultation up in Cincinnati at Children's. And the first day they did all these tests, which it was amazing to have an MRI done on a baby in the womb, Mm -hmm. an echocardiogram done on a baby in the womb. And then, of course, the longest ultrasound we've ever been through. (laughs) And um, so that was very interesting. And there was a lot of a lot of information gleaned from that. And then the second day we spent meeting with specialists. Because a child with spina bifida has um, multiple issues. And so surrounding his birth and immediately after he's born, within 24 to 72 hours, he will have surgery that will close that exposed spine Mm -hmm. and hopefully stop the damage that's being done. Mm -hmm. And um, also when they close up that spine, it often creates a situation where the child becomes a hydrocephalic where they have water on the brain because no longer um, is that fluid going out the spinal cord. It's now getting sort of gummed up, if you will, um, between the, the head and the spine. And so uh, likely another surgery for him within the first month to have a shunt put in so that that fluid doesn't build up on his brain and cause uh, injury. Yeah which we're very familiar with, having had a son with a traumatic brain injury and what what that looks like. Um, So a lot going on there. Um, The first decision we had to make was whether or not to do the spinal repair surgery in utero while he's still in the womb or to do it after he was born. And that was, I would say, probably one of the most agonizing decisions we've ever had to make. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't think anything else has... <clears throat> really risen anything close to that. Right. Because it's, it's, there's so many unknowns and there's so many risk benefits. You know, there's so many risks and there's so many benefits, but there's, there's no guarantee of anything, risk or benefit. And, um, so we are really grateful, not only for our time there and getting as much information as we could, but we got counsel in multiple places. And we were very much upheld in prayer, um, both through people who are in, um, you know, people in authority in our lives, but also um, just so many family members, friends, even friends of friends prayed for us as we were making that decision. And we decided to not do that, to not do the prenatal repair. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if, I, I suspect that the, Many recurrent miscarriages um, played a factor into that. Um, sure, because now you have a baby who, apart from the spina bifida, is perfectly healthy. Yeah, yeah, and the the risks of prematurity and even severe prematurity and even even death to the baby were just more than we were we were comfortable with. Yeah. Um, so. So we also need to pray now. It's like, okay, so now we've made this decision. Now we need to not look back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's going to be a temptation, I think. And when dark days come in the future to wonder, well, no. yes. And yeah. so we, I think, have just between the two of us determined that we believe very much that God led us in this decision. And whether that turns out to be the right one or the wrong one, God led us in this decision. Yeah, and so, so, so it's the right one. We can rest in him. <laughs> Right. Right. We can rest. Yeah. We can rest in that. Yeah. So And and we will never know. And when those dark moments come and when he's struggling in one way or another at age one or twenty, 
we'll have to realize that, okay, this struggle is still better than losing him. Absolutely. Him not being here. Absolutely. Or him being here and basically not having... Having all the problems that a baby born at 24, 25, 26 yeah. weeks would have. Yeah. Yeah. Struggling to live. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's one of those things that we usually do okay at that. We're not we're not we don't <laughs> typically second guess ourselves. Yeah, but this was hard. Yeah, this is definitely the biggest yeah, the most we've been pushed. Absolutely. Um so what it looks like going forward is that um Lord willing, and this is if all goes well, and I don't you know, there's no reason why it shouldn't. I have a good track record of Carrying babies, not only to term, but way past term. <laughs> um, in fact, I totally, I enjoyed being surrounded by all of these specialists who likely haven't really seen a woman who's even been as pregnant as many times as I have. Oh, yeah. And uh, very few of the women they've seen have born 10 children at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, being the age I am and having had all the children and they, I just, I ruined their preconceptions. I ruined their statistics Mm -hmm. because I don't go into preterm labor. I, um, all of the things that they assume is going to happen. If you have a lot of babies, Mm -hmm. uh, none of them, even, um, I have some genetic blood clotting issues and I should be, hemorrhaging after every birth and I don't, <laughs> you know, just all this stuff that they kept saying. And, and even we were laughing at, um, they were fascinated with how large my placenta was. <laughs> and, um, of course I'm thinking, um, I grew a 10 pound, 10 ounce baby last time. Yeah. It's gotta be, <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, they're just expecting that if you've had a lot of children, obviously you're not going to be able to nourish those babies as well because your body's worn out and these things and all these things. And of course you're going to have all kinds of problems with uterine rupture and all this yeah. stuff. And yeah. I didn't fit any of those. Um, and in fact, so that was a lot of fun because, you know, it's just testimony to the Lord of all of the scare things that they think. And, and yet that's not what God's had for us at all. Yeah. So that, that was interesting. Now, looking forward, looking, our life has changed. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the short term, I'm, we're going to be relocating to Cincinnati around week 35, yep. which is kind of funny because they're all afraid of preterm labor. And I understand, although the risk of preterm labor because of his spina bifida does not exist. It's right. just like every other pregnancy as far as my body is concerned. Right. And I've never gone into labor before 39 weeks. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, yeah, so but, are, but to give them their, their peace of mind, um, you'll have to go there at, to Cincinnati at I'll, 35 weeks I'll and be relocate. There. And then, um, usually they take the baby about 37 weeks and that is somewhat, somewhat because, uh, they're trying to lessen the amount of damage done to the spine. So they want to take, you know, take the baby as soon as you can, but yet have the baby be healthy is sort of the thinking on that. Mm -hmm. So traditionally they do a C-section, although medically there's no reason why they have to do that. So we would actually like to ask that people be praying that we could be induced rather than have the C-section. So you could deliver naturally and not... Like I have all the others and I would be able to be up and around sooner and I have to deliver at one hospital and then Patrick will be immediately transported to another hospital. So Just a couple blocks away. 
Right. But for me not to have the C-section recovery and having a, I have very, very easy, easy, easy labor and deliveries and very quick recoveries usually. So that would be, that would be helpful. Yeah. Yes. If, if I don't have to have to do that. And also just going forward. And once he's delivered within 48, 72 hours, 24 to 72 hours, he has his surgery. He'll have his um, spinal repair surgery. He has a minute, probably a minimum of 14 days in the ICU after that surgery. Mm -hmm. So now we're about two, two and a half weeks depending on the shunt necessity based on the hydrocephalus, which 90% of the children who have the spinal repair have to have a shunt put in. So in some ways, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Um, in fact, if the 10% do, a lot of them eventually do have to anyway. So yeah. it's just sort of a, yeah, that's probably going to have to happen too. And um, so depending on how he does and, you know, complications and all of that, we're going to be there at the hospital for quite some time. So, you know, set up your tent and pack up your snacks and this is where we're going to live for a little while. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of good friends, a lot of folks that are helping. We do. And praise the Lord. And one of the reasons we chose Cincinnati is I grew up in Ohio. Um, I grew up about an hour and 20 minutes from where the hospital is. So uh, we even have some dear friends who've moved to Cincinnati. Um, we've already been blessed by friends of friends who put us up for that um, yep. short term time up there and, yep. and, um, have other friends that are, you know, aren't overwhelmed at the thought of, um, having our children come visit sure. <laughs> their sure. saints, um, saints in the double sense. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh, so, so that all looks good. And then we bring him home and, um, and then I would say, and then the work begins. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell them we have a couple minutes left here. Why don't you tell them, uh, generally, what the prognosis is, what Patrick's life, they say, on average, will look like. Yeah, his, his prognosis is not great. Um, all children with spina bifida struggle to some degree with bowel and bladder issues. And that has... All, all their lives. All their lives, yeah. their whole life. And um, that has to do with the damage to the spinal cord. The bowel and bladder is all the way at the bottom of the spinal cord. That control is. Yeah. And so um, any kind of damage to the spinal cord affects those too. So that's, that's sort of a foregone conclusion. Um, and then lower body mobility, Mm -hmm. um, is, is obviously the, the other issue. Um, now praise the Lord, his lesion is not so high that he shouldn't have trouble with breathing and swallowing and life threatening things. Um, however, they kind of have a scale of how far up on the vertebrae it goes. And if he was Four or five or six vertebrae down, the prognosis would be, you know, he'll probably walk with crutches. He might be able to walk on his own, but mm-hmm. his is quite high. And mm-hmm. so, you know, according to the medical literature, um, they are saying he would, he would never be able to take more than a step or two. And that would be therapeutically in a controlled setting. Yeah, with braces. So, yes, and with braces and crutches and everything. So there, you know, the the medical authorities, quote unquote, are giving the prognosis that he will always be wheelchair bound. Yeah, and he might. You know, there's there's definitely that. Thankfully, we did have a little encouragement from the developmental pediatric um, doctor who said, "Yeah." <laughs> We don't know. <laughs> I mean, we can look, and he says, you know, you look at the MRI, and then you look at the kid, and they don't always match. <laughs> yeah. So, um. So, with 
spina bifida patients, you really don't know what you're getting until they come out. No. And you don't know how much is damaged, how much is destroyed. And mm-hmm. so there could be nerves that are uh, reawakened, if you will, the nerves that are worked on and, mm-hmm. and helped. And then there are some that are just, you know, what they call dead. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it, yeah. you know. So we won't know until we've done a lot with him, yeah. which, of course, means a lot of intensive therapy. Yeah. Um, and along with the issues of the physical issues, there's also a huge... Um, majority of children with spina bifida also end up having, uh, learning issues. Um, now as far as intellectually, you know, the intellect is, is normal, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, you're not dealing with a, 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 any kind of mental retardation, but you are dealing with, um, severe learning disabilities. Yeah. Funny as they described them to us, we were like, Oh yeah, we know all about that. <laughs> In fact, it'd be kind of shocking for him not to have them because his siblings have. Them. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so that you know, so um, that's one of the things that we're looking at is a life after Patrick gets home, and um, a lot of therapy, a lot of long term, um, you know, with the bladder and bowel issues, with the shunt shunts malfunction and have to be replaced. Um, there are. There are medications and surgeries for the bladder and bowel to try to get them what they call socially continent, meaning able to take care of their own needs and live independently and be out and about and not be, you know, having trouble. So um, that's a for people who generally don't go to the doctor very much. (laughs) um, This is going to be a big change for us because not only will he have his regular um, well baby visits in which they're looking for very specific things, problems that can develop, but also uh, going back to the spina bifida clinic in Cincinnati in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, 18, 24, whatever is in between 30 and 36, yeah. and then every year thereafter. Yeah. In addition to day-to-day therapy yeah. evaluations for that. So, so there's a lot of different ways that people handle these kinds of things and, yeah. and good ways and ways that, that are maybe not so good. Um, but one thing we saw that encouraged us early on uh, was the story of a, of a young boy uh, who was born, born with Downs. Him. And uh, as soon as a friend found out about it, he came and met them at the hospital. And the first words he said to them were, you just struck gold. Yeah. We saw that like just a couple of days after the diagnosis. Yeah, and and that very much describes how we feel. Are we sad for our son? Yes. Are we some? Do we sometimes mourn? Yes. I think that will come more uh, as he struggles. Sure. I, I think that'll come. You know, when you see uh, he can't do this, or yeah, or. Here, these children are playing in this way, and he cannot participate because of his limitations. I think that morning yeah. will come. But overall, our perspective is, number one, thank you, Lord, for giving okay. us another child. I think, I don't know if you can even, even when we were up in Cincinnati meeting with all these specialists, and, you know, they're all expecting us to almost behave as if it's the most tragic thing we've ever experienced, mm-hmm. that our child has a difference, mm-hmm. and this, this you know, deformity, and, and I... You know, you almost want to look them in the eye and say, we have lost so many children. We are delighted. Yeah. 
and um, that God would give us a child with a special need tells us that he trusts us to do what's best yeah. for this child. And, and we know that God uses our weakness to do great things. Absolutely. We know that. We trust that. We've seen that. Yeah. So. Even though it's interesting, people have asked about how the kids have responded. Um, our kids have responded to all the news. Uh-huh. And the answer I've had to give is, um, actually, they're just really glad he's alive. And the one thing I hear from them is, oh, I just can't wait to see him. I just can't wait. Until he's here and he's alive and he's a part of our family. It's not, oh, isn't it awful that we'll have to, you know, work with him or that they'll have special accommodations for him or he might struggle. It's no, it's just, he's alive. He's well, <laughs> you yeah. know, Let, yeah. Yeah. let's go. You he's he's going to be a key member of this family. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we've got an adventure. We do. Ahead of us. Hello, friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode of HomeWise with Steve and Kara Murphy. If you have a moment and you are of the mind, please make a donation to Highlands Ministries to help support these podcasts. Uh, you can go to the website at highlandsministriesonline.org and there's a Donate Now button. You can sign up for a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Any amount is appreciated, and if we get a million monthly supporters, we will do this from the beach.